Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And uh, folks, it's, it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit is. You know, this morning we're continuing our series on relationships, and, and uh, Kate and I are speaking on uh, unity by diversity, actually unity by celebrated diversity. And, uh, and so we're just, I'm just so thrilled and excited that the Holy Spirit laid it on uh, Tom's heart and connected us with a divine connection uh, and he was here this morning in both services. And uh, yeah, may, the, may America truly be the United States of America. Amen. Come on. So praise God. Well, this morning, uh, it's our joy. We're going to preach together. And uh, that's the flesh and blood, blood manifestation of our message. And uh, as you can see, Kate and I, we are not entirely alike. And, uh, and we're just excited for this message. So, Kate, yeah. over to you. Amen. Well, we're going to look at four points this morning and ce- different areas of celebration. And the first area is that we celebrate that we're family together. Did you know that? That God, we've been born again into a really great family. Oh, that before we existed, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were together as a family of love. And we know that God sent his son Jesus to come and redeem us from our sin because he wanted to bring many sons to glory. That Jesus was making a way for more sons and daughters to be carried in his glory and live in that glory place. And so God's plan was always for family. And family looks different, doesn't it? You know, family, my family, our family does not look different to your family. Some of you are in a a situation where there's a blending of families, you know, children from different, um, different parents coming together. And, you know, we all look different. We've got different characteristics. We've got different personalities and temperaments and giftings. And God has purposed that that would happen, that Even though we're so different, we can come together and be together and function together and honor and celebrate the the goodness of that. Paul says to the, the Ephesians in Ephesians 3 verse 14, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named God knew your family. God Mm. knew the families of of heaven and earth. And um, he, it's interesting that Paul says, I kneel before the Father. And, you know, Tom confirmed what we'd already prepared in our heart, that really the family, the key to great family is the humility. Getting on our knees before one another and submitting to one another in love. Because, you know, we can't have a successful family. Duncan and I were family when we got married. It it wasn't our children were added to us that we became a family. We're family first and foremost. And if I don't prefer and prefer Duncan, and if I don't prefer my children, then there's going to be tension in the family. And it starts with humility in our hearts to be willing to not only prefer our natural family, but to prefer one another and celebrate what God has given, that we're one spirit. We have the same father. Abba. We have the same daddy. 
He's our father. Whether we are from America, whether we're from England like me or any other nation, whether we've got the same color hair or not, same color skin color, God is still our father. We are created in him, his image. And he is glorified by that. It's just a wonderful thing. That's right. And that, that brings me to uh, point number two, that we celebrate our uniquenesses. Yes. Our uniquenesses, everybody. And, you know, the, the thing about uniqueness, and God has made us each unique, hasn't he? I mean, think about our heavenly daddy. You know, and well, I should say, I was going to say our, our heavenly daddy, but his son's just like him. His spirit's just like him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're talking about the, 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 the God, the Trinitarian God who's created the heavens and the earth, our champion, Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a God who is unique in all of his creative abilities. His attributes are just so infinite that he has never, ever created one single thing exactly the same as the next thing that he's created. Think about snowflakes. Every single snowflake is unique, is totally different. Is, is, and most of them are hidden. Most of them are never seen by anybody. Think about the Arctic and the Antarctic. And think about all that snow way down there underneath the very bottom of those giant glaciers and everything else. And yet not one single snowflake is the same. I mean, he could have made two the same and nobody would know about it. Nobody would ever know about it. Most of the snowflakes melt before they, are even, before they even hit the ground. And their very uniquenesses are only magnified through a magnifying glass. Really, he could, if he wanted to, he could have got away with multiple snowflakes being the same. But he didn't do that. He doesn't do that. Why? Because he will never, ever compromise his incredible, create, infinite creative abilities. If that's what he's like with snowflakes that melt, how much more is that true of us? That he has made us all incredibly unique. And your uniquenesses, okay, you could call them differences. We're all made differently. I'm different to you. I'm different to my wife. My wife's different to me. We're unique. And God intended it to be that way. He made you different. The problem is, is that we all want to be the same so often. And when we do that, we compromise the very validity of God's glory on the inside of us, his creative glory. And not only that, but we deny the, the world of the very thing that God intended us to offer as a love gift to the world, our unique differences. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was studying at, at Bible college and uh, we were in the church planting classes. And this professor said, why plant churches when there's already so many churches? And I thought, wow, that's a really, really good question. And I never forgot his answer. And in fact, it was his answer that, that gave permission to Kate and I, propelled us in our hearts when we came here to Raleigh from Toronto. Uh, we just there was this validation for what we were doing that was in my heart and in our hearts that I want to just mention that is the same validation for you as an individual being uniquely different and being very, very happy about that and not trying to fit in when you were made to stand out. Okay, so here's the, here's the thing that he said. 
He said, the uniquenesses, the glorious differences, the things that God does among a unique people in a local body, their values that he puts in them, the, the, the expression of those values and the encounters and the, and the uh, transformation that God's done among that particular local people. Those things that make them unique become the love gift offering that they can offer to the universal body of Christ. That their very uniquenesses are their love gifts to the rest of the body. Your uniquenesses are your love gift to the world around you. You as a husband being completely unique and different to your wife, those differences, godly differences, are the things that become the love gift to your wife and to your children and so on and so forth. And yet, how do we behave? We behave in a manner that says, you know what? I'll honor you as long as I can see lots of me in you. And that's not true honor, is it? And we end up in this situation where we're looking to uh, have everyone around us be the same as us. And we're looking for us to be the same as everyone around us. When in reality, we're missing it by a million miles. God made us unique. Therefore, God made us different. And when we celebrate those uniquenesses, we have a love gift for the world around us. This church, this crazy, charismatic church that's different, where we believe in the free flowing of the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't model to you, you know, the, the senior pastor that's going to do everything. No, we just have a whole team that are all unique and all different. And all of you, all y'all, you're all so different. Look around you. The ethnic diversity that's in this room is fantastic. It's phenomenal. All of that and the unique values that we have as a church, those things are the things that God wanted in here in Raleigh so that he could bless the universal body of Raleigh. That's why we can never afford to be like the church down the road because the church down the road would lose its blessing of us being here if we tried to be like them. In Ephesians 4, Paul speaks and he says, verse 15 and 16, we will in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. From him, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. And that's just a beautiful picture that Christ is the head of the body and the head of the church. And we, are, we have different members. We're each differently designed with different functions and different appearances to work together as a body. And if we miss one part of the body, we become sick. And that's the whole premise that if we are not uniquely us, then we are not offering other people, our brothers and sisters, the uniqueness that God has for us as being part of the body and Jesus as the head of the body. And then in verse 7, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given Mm. as Christ apportioned it. So God has given us different things, different graces, different gifts. He's actually chosen that some of you are better at technical things than me. Some of you are better at creating financial wealth than me. And that's because God has given us different gifts. And we can celebrate and honor each of you for who you are and what God has put in you. And that's the whole point. And we have a, we have a saying in England that 
Um, if somebody is different, they're like chalk and cheese. If there's, and if, cheese. There's, if there's two people that are totally different. Polar opposites. They're, they're called, they're like, they're like chalk and cheese. And um, one day, you want to tell the story of, of yeah, you how we got you, together? You go so go Duncan was musing, you know, is Kate the right one for me? You know, we're, we're so different. We're so different. You know, she's from a different culture. I was raised in Nigeria. She was raised in England. And, and, and he was talking to one of his friends. And he said, the thing is, we're just like chalk and cheese, meaning polar opposites. And he said, well, that's not a problem because chalk and cheese makes really good brie. Exactly. You know, brie, right? It's got that chalky outside and then yeah. the cheese in yummy. the middle, yummy. you know? It's yummy. Well, that, that transformed our marriage, didn't it? It did. And, and actually, Kate, you've, it's reminded me of, you know, the, the, this thing about our differences and our uniquenesses. God has made us so that we're complementary yes. with one another, not yes. necessarily always compatible with one another. And we're always looking for compatibility when in reality, complementariness is what actually enriches us the most in our lives. And so we tend to gravitate towards people that are compatible to ourselves. And we miss out on all the people that would have been complementary to ourselves. And uh, we end up in non-diversity when we behave like that. I remember Kate and I were, you know, when we were, when I was thinking about, should I marry Kate? Shouldn't I? Should I? And I was with my pastor. I was at university. And I said, you know what? We're so different. I just don't know if she's the right one for me. Really, actually, my problem was, was, was not whether she was the right one for me. My problem was like every guy's problem and every girl's problem when they're considering spending the rest of their lives with one person. It's that if I give myself to, to Kate for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to say no to all the others. But anyway, I didn't tell him that, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I just, I just want to, and I just said to him, oh, you know, it's a, well, we're so different. And he's like, well, that's not a problem, Duncan, actually. In fact, I mean, look at Kate and I, there's a foot between us, you know, we're so different. And like Kate said, I, I was born in Nigeria. I grew up there. That's the confusing thing about me. I spent 18 years in Nigeria. I speak Hausa fluently. If you look at me, you're going to think that's an Englishman. That's a white in Caucasian. No, I'm actually a black man trapped inside this white skin trying to get out and figure himself out. And, 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 and I've been confused my whole life because of that. And it's funny because Kate thought she was marrying a white Caucasian. And she can, every good reason, you know, but your eyes can deceive you. And so, you know, we get down to Bible college three years later and there's all these Africans in the Bible college and all of a sudden, one day I see Kate and she's like, because she suddenly saw that I'm not the man she thought I was when she married me. I'm actually a Nigerian. That's a big deal when you're from the north of England, you know. So he said, you know what, you're looking for compatibility but actually God's brought you together different as you are because he has made you complementary to one another. Thank God. Thank God for complementary. It's good. And we're 27 years married this week. And <laughs> amen. God loves marriage and so do we. But we have spent 27 years learning 
to honor and appreciate the differences. And we're not there yet. And um, That's right. we're on thankfully, journey. we've got people like Betsy and Chester Kilster and restoring the foundations. And they're actually in town to help us a little bit more this week to become more glorious with each other as well as the Lord. Yes, Kate and I are going for some ministry, everybody, this week. So, yeah. yeah. To learn to honor and, and appreciate each other's differences. But, you know, it's really important that we realize that sometimes there are things in our heart that stop us from honoring each other's uniqueness. And sometimes that can be generational. It can be just cultural within our own family, where we're from, from different parts of the world. And there's so many areas that we can just be cross-talking the whole time that we don't learn to communicate love with each other. And, um, and so we just, we just encourage each of you, even in your marriages, just to keep pushing for more freedom. Because as we are, we actually become the ones that Jesus will shine his glory through. And that's what we're aiming for, that we're on a journey of, of being more and more complimentary and more and more honoring to one another and appreciating each other. And so the next, the next area is, is number three, that we celebrate community. We believe in community. We believe in meeting together. And we want to welcome everyone on the internet. You've joined us together. But there's a reason that we gather together. Because as we come together, we begin to hear and see the mind of Christ, the plans of God, the kingdom of heaven being manifested in our midst and in our gathering. And there's a scripture that the Lord's shown us in Proverbs 18.1. If you can turn to that, please. This has been um, quite a, a revealing scripture to us that's, that's made us really begin to think about um, community in another level. And it says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And you see, what happens when we get upset or hurt by people in our midst is that we have a tendency to avoid and isolate ourselves. And what happens is, as we isolate, we begin to get stuck in our own thought processes, and we begin to dream and imagine that all sorts of things are going on and being heard and said about us when that is not necessarily the truth. And, you know, if you want to find out what's going on, it's always important to get two different sides of the story, get two perspectives. And so often when we isolate, we're just in our own perspective. And we need each other to actually understand the other side of the perspective. And it says that he who isolates breaks out against all sound judgment. So as one who doesn't isolate and comes together and values community, then we are more exposed to sound advice and make sound judgment, basically. And so what happens when we are alone, we often begin to make our own bitter root judgments and we start believing lies and the enemy starts speaking to us about the scenario. And, you know, so we need to come together and begin to hear and see a different perspective. You know, Kate, you're reminding me, my, th- this is how I am with my senior pastor, John Arnott. So often, uh, I'll, I'll be, you know, just going on my merry way, and all of a sudden, 
I'll just have a random thought. I just don't think my pastor likes me as much as I think he does. Uh, I, I, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't communicated with me for, well, for, for a few days now. And uh, you know what? Actually, that, that's right. Last time I saw him, he, he kind of ignored me. He just seemed to be like looking straight through me, looking straight past me. And, and, and wow, look how he's really hanging out with my friend over there and my colleague. Wow, I think he likes my colleague way more than he likes me. And oh my gosh, I, I think my colleague might be actually uh, going to get my job. Yeah, because I think that John's looking at me going, yeah, he's just, he's just really sucks at his job. And, and you know, you know he, he just, that, that young man, Duncan, he's just not doing enough. He needs to pull his socks up and, and, and he needs to get, get on with whatever. And I just go on this negative, crazy spiral that is just inspired by a whole bunch of junk that was just you know, going around my heart. And it's not, even, not one shred of it's based on truth. It's all based on some random feelings stemming from some hurt that I chose to, you know, imbibe and, and, and cause defense or whatever, or maybe there was some miscommunication. And, you know, what happens when we think of all those negative things like that? I'm like, well, you know what? I, I, you know what? I should really phone him. I think I should just, maybe I should go see him in the office. Maybe I should just go up to him and just say hi. Oh, no, there's no way I'm doing that. If, I mean, if he really likes me and if he really is for me, he's going to come and see me first. Yeah, I'm going to wait till he comes and sees me. And then, of course, we isolate ourselves. The situation gets worse and worse. I'm talking about my pastor, John Arnott, and my relationship with him. But it could be you and your relationship with your wife or your father or your mother or your children or that son or daughter that's, that's you know, um, prodigal or whatever it might be. Let me tell you this morning, everybody, let Kate and I say, break the isolation, okay? Because, honey, what is it? How does it yeah, go? Isolation? Well, isolation leads to no communication, leads to hallucination. And we begin to imagine a whole ton of alternative reality. And that's the whole point. And, you know, I've noticed when I feel that somebody's avoiding me, it's probably because they've taken offense maybe to something I've said or done, maybe without realizing it most of the time. And, you know, I think it's being ones where we're willing to be the bridge of love. That's it. The bridge of reconciliation. And, and you know, and come humbly and say, you know, so-and-so, I just noticed that I haven't seen you. All. I, I, have I said or done something that may have offended you? Rather than going and saying, you offended me when you did that, you know, because that's the opposite of love, isn't it, and humility. But, you know, taking the stance, is there anything that I've done? And if so, being quick to repent and having a heart that's quick to respond to the Holy Spirit. I think that's been a big, a big key. And how we as community, we don't expect you all to get this right you know, we make mistakes with each other. We make mistakes all the time, almost every day. That's what a marriage is. And, and work in a relationship actually takes work. But we can do it with the Holy Spirit's help. And, and that's the whole, whole thing that Jesus has given us everything we need to be married. He's given us an anointing to be married. Did you know that? He's actually given us an anointing to be parents. Because sometimes we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, and very often, almost every time, it turns out that I'm thinking the worst about my past or about somebody. Well, particularly with John, I just want to finish this off. 
just when I'm thinking the worst about what he's thinking, which is a load of hallucination, he'll, I, I'll see him and he'll be like, Dong, so good to see you. And I, and I realize he loves me. Yeah. I'm reminded he loves me. Yeah. He's not thinking all those negative thoughts that I'm thinking is. And you know, that's exactly how it is with the Lord because we can do the same with the Lord, can't we? Yes. And yeah. with one another. So, well, yeah, honey. and Luke 15 talks about the parable of the son that was wayward and he went and squandered his father's wealth and he was one of two brothers. And the story of the older brother was, you know, he and his heart was responding badly as much because when the father threw a party for the youngest son, the oldest brother, he got very upset and, and began to grumble. And, and he actually chose not to come into the party. And he didn't realize that the father had everything for him. The inheritance was fully his, but he chose to isolate us. And you see, the father's heart for us is that he always wants to bring us in, even when we're behaving and responding like an orphan and sometimes don't know why we're doing it. His heart is, he wants to draw us into the party. He wants us to know that he's got everything for us. And so often when we feel, when we feel hurt and we behave badly, we respond badly, we sabotage the very thing that God wants to do, which is to bring us in. You know, a little child that's having a tantrum, they just wanna, you know, just have a little, little go, a little, little fit. And a parent just wants to hold them in. It, you know, sometimes it's, that's how our heart is. We're, we're running away from the very embrace that we need. But God, you know, he overlooks our sin and he covers us. And if we begin to believe in his love, then we can believe that we can be settled in that place. So good, honey. So good. So number one, we celebrate family. Number two, we celebrate that we're unique and in Realizing that we celebrate our differences, we also understand that those very differences can become the flashpoints of upset between us. And so we choose to celebrate community and we choose to celebrate, not isolate. Amen? So number four, number four, I'm going number, number four, <laughs> number four. And lastly, we celebrate glory over offense. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11. So Proverbs 11 and verse 19, uh, sorry, Proverbs 19 and verse 11. In fact, let me just tell you a story before we read this, okay? Monday night this last week, Kate and I, we get back from England. Although we've been on vacation, we're jet lagged. And so we're a little tired and we've spent two weeks with each other, with Kate's family. I mean, with um, all of our <laughs> friends and family. And for some reason, I came home in a grump. Okay? I came home irritated. And I don't know why I was irritated. I had no good reason to be irritated. We just had the most fantastic two weeks. But I was just, I was just, I had the spirit of blah or something. Right? Anybody ever feel like that? And I just felt mad and I wanted Kate to pay for something and I didn't know what it was but I just knew I wanted her to pay for something and uh, very often when we're in the blah we take it out on the people that we love the most don't we it's never our fault of course 
And uh, so anyway, we came to the leaders meeting last Monday night, and uh, we had about 100 leaders in here, and, and, uh, and so we were, we were just having a wonderful time. And at the end of it, we go and we get in the car, and I had told Kate, I'm going to go get the truck, I'll meet you outside. Well, because of the way my, I had parked my truck, I ended up facing the truck that direction, which meant that we would have to go around the long way around to get out. And actually, it would have been way more sensible if I had been that way around, then we could have just zipped out of the shortcut and round and off home. Well, we get in the car, I get the car, I'm all there, I'm ready, Kate has, and not only that, but Kate has to walk around the truck to get in. So she walks around the truck, she gets in, the first thing out of her mouth is, honey, how come we're facing this way round? Well, any sane, healed, kind person, like myself, in that moment, would have said, oh, because honey, it, it just was, would have been difficult to have you know, maneuvered my big truck and parked it this way round. And so I'm, I'm that way round. But you're right, it, it would have been better that other way round. Um, and I'm sorry I didn't do it that way round because then it would have been easy for you to get in the car. And that would have been the end of the matter. But no, I'm in a grump, but I'm already mad with her. So I exploded. I'm like, what in the... <laughs> to which point she responded, why are you being so angry? I'm not angry. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. And by the time we got to the driveway over there to turn onto the road, we were already isolated from one another. You know what I'm talking about? Hurt had led to offense. Now we're isolated. Now we're not talking. Kate's, you know, watching Netflix all the way home in the car on her iPhone. And I'm just driving and I'm mad. Steam's pouring out of my ears. How many of you know that by the time you've been married 27 years, you no longer shout at each other. You just shout with silence. And, uh, and so anyway, we go to bed and it's cold shoulder, you know, good night. You know. Wake up the next morning. I go and make a cup of coffee and I very kindly make Kate a cup of tea. And I sit down to have my quiet time and I like to read my Bible through in a year. I would like to encourage many of you, those of you who feel able to do the same. It's good discipline. So here I am. I'm I'm a little behind on my Bible reading. It just happens to be Proverbs 19. As I'm reading through, I get to verse 11. The discretion of a man or the wisdom of a man makes them slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook a transgression. It is his glory to overlook an offense, another translation says. And all of a sudden, I'm stricken to the heart because I realize, oh my goodness. And I see not only the moment that happened the night before where I took an offense because Kate behaved in a way that was different to the way I wanted her to behave. And so I, instead of walking in forgiveness and being kind and overlooking her transgression, overlooking her offense, I chose to take offense. And by the way, offense is never given to you. You can only choose to take it. And I took it. And I realized I've been doing that our entire married life. I had a moment of realization that actually our marriage could be completely different if myself, Duncan Smith, married to Kate Smith, if I choose not to take offense, but to overlook the the transgressions that I perceive my wife is transgressing against me in, 
the little offences. How many of you know that little offences erect a very large fence? And you know what? Kate and I, we're going to spend some time with Chester and Betsy Kilstra, who are the founders of Restoring the Foundations. And we're going to spend that this, this, some time this week with them. And I would encourage all of you in this room uh, to uh, actually invest in yourselves in having uh, Restoring the Foundations and other ministries of the, to the heart. How many of you know if Jesus died for our bodies to be healed, he also died for our hearts to be healed? And in the same way that you have to actually apply the cross to your physical bodies, you have to apply your, uh, the cross to your physical hearts and your, your emotional hearts as well to receive healing. You can't just say, oh, it was all done at the cross. No, you take time and you, by faith and by openness and humility, you receive ministry to the heart. And there are so many people, we have the hearts that are ministers to the heart that that, that are, I won't ask them to stand up because they'll be completely inundated with requests, but we have a number of people on our team that are, that are highly trained ministers to help you with the heart, with your heart. But you don't have to, or, and, and I, and I want to say this, make sure that you do do that. However, don't miss the daily opportunities that this verse is inviting us into where we can make the choice. I am not going to let this moment of transgression, this moment of offense, potential offense, this moment where I'm being hurt, where I can feel the sting. And let's face it, everybody, some of those hurts and those stings just come from an expression of the face, a tone in the voice, whatever it might be. It might also be somebody of a different race speaking to you in a way that you don't like or ignoring you in a way that you don't like. It could be a post that you read on social media. And by the way, folks, let me tell you something. Social media can be a minefield where you can pick up offenses left, right, and center. And be careful that you yourself don't use the convenience of social media when you're isolating yourself in your little cave and you've got your iPhone or you've got your computer and you're saying things to the world that you would never, ever have the courage to say to anybody face to face. Be very careful of doing that. The reality is we don't, we don't want to isolate ourselves. We want to communicate. And most especially, we want to overlook the moment of opportunity. I realized if I had just practiced overlooking the opportunity for offense, all the 27 years of our marriage to this beautiful lady, I would never have allowed so much glory to have been stolen from me and stolen from us. Don't let anybody, don't give anybody the power of robbing your glory because they do something that hurt you and you will take offense and you lose glory. Yeah. So we've got um, just a, a slide that we're going to put up. It's, it's not the, the biggest, but can we just put that slide up, guys, at the front? We're going to just look quickly at that downward spiral of offense so put your magnifying glasses on. We did our best. And so hurt leads to offense, leads to unforgiveness and bitterness, leads to lies and rejection, avoidance, and then isolation and hatred. And that is basically 
the behavior of an orphan. And you know, we can, we can know we're sons, but we get into the behavior of an orphan. But if that is what happens when we're offended, what happens when we don't take offense, when we enter into an upward spiral of glory and behave like a son and a daughter? We go from being hurt to overlooking the offense rather than taking the offense that leads to us forgiving. And as we forgive, we begin to bless and it brings a sense of belonging and a pursuit for openness and oneness and which leads to love and affection that begins to flow. And that is when the glory of God is manifested, that his love is actually manifested flesh and blood in each of us. And as we individually take that responsibility, how much more when we come together and, and people around us in our lives, in our jobs and our homes begin to see that we're quick to, to stop that offense taking root into our heart. So, um, just I think that that is the fulfillment of the sons of God being revealed yes. for all creation that's currently groaning. Yes. I think there's a dimension of it that, that the, the creation is groaning for the longing for the sons of God to be revealed. Yeah. That right here, this glory, the glory that Christ came with where he overlooked our billions, quadrillions of offenses. Yeah and paid for them all at the cross. That same power, that same person, Jesus Christ himself, is in us, at work in us, everybody. You are not powerless to overcome. You don't have to do this in your own strength. You don't have to remind yourself, you know, in that moment, I believe that if you make the choice, Holy Spirit, right now I give you permission, Christ, remind me not to, take offense, not to take offense, but to overlook offense, that my glory will never be stolen, but that my glory would increase and that your glory, that is my true glory in me, would be manifest to the world around me, yeah. I think will begin to silence the groans of creation. Yeah. Amen. And I want to leave Amen. you with one scripture. So we're talking about celebrating our uniqueness, but the only time it says that we are to conform is... I found it in Romans 8, 29. It says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that the son might be the firstborn among many brothers. There's mm. that um, connection to family, that image of family. But we are being conformed to the image of Christ. We're going from glory to glory. And that's what we want to leave you with today, that we take stock of where we're at. We take stock of how much glory we're revealing. How much are we being conformed to the image of Christ together and as individuals? And today, God wants to come and um, meet us so that we can be aware and we can be quick to take down those fences. Amen. Come on, folks, let's stand. Let's stand. You know, Joshua, uh, Emeka, give everybody a wave, Josh. Come on, give them a big Nigerian wave. When we first came down to this region 10 years ago, Kate and I, being from Toronto, the most ethnically diverse population group in the world, our church was a reflection of the city that we lived in up in Toronto and still is. When we got down here about four weeks, three, four weeks in, 
we're like, something's bothering us. What is it that's bothering us? I can't put my finger on it, but something's not right. And all of a sudden, we suddenly realized what it was. Our entire church, which at that time was about 100 people, our entire church was white. And it bothered us. so much. We're like, oh, that's what it is. We're like a monoculture. Oh, and then we, Kate and I just, and, and the team, we just began to pray, oh God, with all of our hearts, we ask you that you would break that monoculture, that you would give us true unity by celebrated diversity and that you'd bring the nations into this church family. And guys, I really thank God that 10 years later, we are a multi-ethnic, multi-race church, okay? But please, everybody, don't let that just be true under the roof. Let it be true from our hearts to one another. We went last night to a gorgeous member of our church, Rashida, who's a Nigerian uh, girl, who's a Nigerian-American, who's part of our church. And, you know, we had the most beautiful time with her and her sister and her sister's husband and her mom. They, they had invited us a few weeks ago for us to come and have dinner. And Kate and I went and we had the most phenomenal Nigerian food. They were phenomenal cooked chefs and they made us the greatest food. And Kate's not Nigerian like me. But you know what? We were both so enriched and we believe they were enriched and we were all enriched. If you take the time to make relationships with people who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who don't act like you, who don't behave like you, who don't necessarily share your political views, who don't even necessarily share your, you know, your fundamentals. I guarantee you, you will become richer through them. Richer through them. So folks, let's not just be a church of, of ethnic diversity under a roof. Let's be a church of ethnic diversity in relationships. Don't spend your Sundays going and hanging out with people who look like you. Spend time hanging out with one another, no matter who they are. When Joshua, the reason I pointed him out, Joshua was the very first person, very first person who did not look like a white Caucasian. The first black person who walked into our church, he walked up, the person on the door, he thought they were gonna shake his hand because he was from a black church where everybody shake, shook hands. And the funny thing is, he had had the same feeling. I want to go to a church where everybody doesn't look like me. And he goes to this church. The first thing that he sees on Sunday morning is this great big white dude, Jacob Murphy from Canada. Jake gives him a humongous hug. Josh is like, what? Then he goes in and the entire church is hugging, 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 hugging. He's like, ah! And my daughter goes up to him and, and says, hey, our eldest daughter went up and said, hey, my, where are you from? I'm from Nigeria. Oh, my dad's from Nigeria. And that was it. Josh has been a member of our church ever since. But here's the thing that, he, that the Holy Spirit showed him. He said, why are you? Because at first he was like, oh my gosh, everybody's white. And, his, and the Holy Spirit said to him, Joshua, why are you so concerned about their bodies? Come on, everybody. Let's enrich one another. Let's be dynamic. Let's not isolate ourselves. Let's be community. Let's walk in love. Let's celebrate our uniquenesses. And above all, let's refuse to take offense. Let's overlook offense and grow our glory together. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. You know, I just feel today that uh, just to invite every one of you 
who for whatever reason you just you just want to join Kate and I in lowering the guard you know when I went in with that I, I followed in with that cup of tea and I got down next to her next to the bed and I said honey I just want to say how sorry I am for overreacting last night I'm really sorry would you please forgive me I choose to love you folks as a church let's respond to this message amen Ash can you come up could I just have the prayer ministry team can you begin to make your way and could I invite all of you let's just have a time with the Holy Spirit of empowerment by the Holy Spirit to enable us to be people that overlook offense amen so I'd like to invite you come on up to the front okay the food truck's waiting it'll wait for you but just come up to the front don't miss this opportunity okay don't miss this opportunity some of you have been really hurt by people of different races some of you have been really hurt by people of completely different political persuasion some of you have been really hurt online by that some of you have been really really hurt by bosses that have been just mean to you because you're a person who looks different to them some of you have been me, have, have, have got all kinds of hurt between genders where people of, a, of, of another gender have hurt you. And I want to give you an opportunity to come and just spend time with the Lord for a moment. And uh, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come and touch our hearts and heal our hearts. Amen. Amen. I'll just do that. Let's, let's pray for just a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you've made us all so unique, so different to each other. And the truth is, Lord, the very thing that you created us as a love gift for the world has become the very thing that the enemies used to, to exploit and bring division and hatred. Our differences, our uniquenesses that you so celebrate, Lord, we've so allowed to be squandered and God, we've hurt one another. God, we've isolated ourselves from people that we love, from people that you love. We've gone into our caves of self-pity. We've believed all, believed all kinds of lies in there, things that are not true at all. We've allowed bitterness to grow. We've allowed unforgiveness, God. And it's caused hatred to grow up in our hearts. Wrongful ways, God. Some of those things we were even born with from our ancestors father with all my heart i thank you for your son jesus and his full payment on the cross to smash all of our offenses all of our offenses god and you have made a way for the glory the glory of the love of god to come and fill our hearts in the person of jesus christ and i thank you that we're the body of christ and we're filled with your spirit and I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us as individuals and as a community to be a people of radical love, that your glory would shimmer on our faces and bubble up from our hearts, God, and that we would choose to overlook offense and that we choose to be bridge builders and that you give us, God, all that it takes to love those that don't look like us, don't think like us, don't behave like us don't have all the same persuasions as us. God, help us to lower our guard and to walk in love and to be on our knees and to walk in humility and to manifest your glory, God. Through your love, 
our brokenness filled with your power in Jesus' name. I ask that you would heal hearts, Lord, with liquid golden honey right now to every person in Jesus' name.